This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Like the force mm-hmm. that is running through everything and running through you, and it has power. When you connect, I am, I am worthless, or I am uh, dangerous, or I'm toxic, or whatever. Yeah. You're going to create that. That's those characters believe something about themselves. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Hello, Banthas. So nice to be with you and back at it again with nerdy conversations with politicians, journalists, and media figures, conversations inspired by Star Wars. This episode is very special to me because the guest is Glenn Beck. Yeah, that Glenn Beck, the host of the daily radio program, founder of The Blaze, and in a past life, he was lead talent at Fox News, before that, CNN and HLN. He's been around. Glenn Beck is going to be familiar to some of you, either because you listen to the show or maybe you remember the regular Jon Stewart spoofs of Beck during the Obama years, or he pops up on your Twitter feed for good or for ill. I am going to get in trouble with some of you for doing this episode, and others of you are going to find it to be a nice change up in your feed and something interesting. But regardless, I wanted to do this episode for these few reasons. So Beck pops up talking about movies, culture, things like Star Wars a lot on his show. That's kind of what really caught my attention when I was starting Beltway Banthas and realized, like, hey, we should get out there and talk about these topics, politics and Star Wars, with more people. And he does this more than most people that I I follow. It's how I got to know him, being a guest of the program to break down Star Wars news and political talk around the franchise. So he follows this stuff very closely and is a big fan of the galaxy far, far away. He has a Darth Vader bust and helmet in his office from the Empire Strikes Back production. Maybe A New Hope, uh, one of the first two films. I'm having trouble remembering, but either way, it's, it's an immaculate piece. And as a human being, Beck is someone who admittingly struggles with the light and the dark arts of politics and media. He wrote a book recently called Addicted Outrage, where he looked back on his own life and career, whipping up anger of other people, living off of it in a sense, and in his words, doing real damage to the country that he has sought to try and fix since then. And even as Beck has walked down this path, at one point kind of framing it as a search for redemption, he does ebb and flow as a radio personality between these sides of himself and the demands of the industry. He's just very complicated, and I find that to be a good thing. I was in the studio with him recently for one of his TV shows, and he asked me, Stephen, have I or we here changed? And, wow. Okay, so seriously terrifying moment. You're you're me. Like, I'm a really big fan of the guy, a, a guest in his building, and I would very much like to be invited back and do more work with him and his colleagues. And you get asked, have I changed? I believe this is the exact moment where you would use the it's a trap meme to deal with this. And, well, I, I swallowed my terror and I said, yes, of course, because that is what makes Glenn Beck Glenn Beck. He changes and asks himself often, what if we're on the wrong side? Am I wrong? 
And I don't know another person in talk who does that. It's pretty much the the shtick of the industry to be incredibly dogmatic and sure of everything that you say and never go back the next day and correct anything that you said that might have been over the top, over the line, or something that you've just you know shifted on over the course of years. People don't do that in this business. And for some of Glenn's fans, this drives them up the wall as well as some of his critics. But for me, that's why I occasionally will tune in and why I thought you might enjoy this conversation with with Glenn about Star Wars, morality, light, dark, and change. I think we got a good mix of depth and fun here. So with that, I'm going to get out of the way. Here is Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck, nice to have you on Beltway Banthas. Thank you very much. Good this to see you. This has been a long time coming. I know. I, like. I know. I feel like. I, I think the first time I talked to you was in 2017, um, after Pat and Stu had me on their show a couple of times. I finally yeah. graduated up to uh, to be your Star Wars channel. <laughs> it was yeah, so much you're fun. Great. You're great. I hope I haven't uh, creeped out your audience too no, much. No, not at all. You're fun. You're really fun. Well, Got to change things up sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm quite confident my audience uh, knows your name, knows like who you are, wherever you've been, where you've mm-hmm. worked. Um, but I kind of want to go to one of the, the key questions of Star Wars to, to begin here. So most Star Wars movies ask the main characters, who are you? Where do I fit into all of this? Where am I going? Who are you? What is the thing about you that you think people don't really understand or that you're still searching for? Uh, I think I'm still searching for um, truth. Um, and and how to make the smallest ripple behind my boat uh, um, make an uh, impact no isn't that what a ripple would be something that people feel yeah and I want to I, I want to my ripples sometimes um, because of my uh, certitude in the past has made waves on shore that haven't necessarily been my intent. Yeah. You know, I was out water skiing. I didn't think about, you know, uh, some of the unintended consequences. Um, or I was, uh, you know, taking my boat out to save somebody who was in the water and I didn't realize that I was you know, making these waves that we're going to have on the weight from your boat's going to shake the dock and knock some poor kid. Correct. Off. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, and, and the, and I guess the older I get and most people don't know, I just, uh, things make much more sense to me on the smallest possible scale. And that is family. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've spent the summer with my, my son, uh, really just trying to, be there for him in you know critical times and and it's been great it's been fun and it's been really fulfilling your star wars story to get us started on the on the nerd path here okay. then we'll go back to that what's your earliest star wars memory when did you initially see these movies i saw them at the lincoln theater um when they came out uh and uh saw new hope and i don't know must have been about 15 years old and uh, just loved it. Then I went to, by the time uh, I went to Washington, D.C., it was about 1982, I think, and I saw Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. And I saw it in the MPAA theater. Uh, I was doing 
work at a radio station, and so they were screening it. Um, and so what, I saw what it in city was this in at Washington D.C. Okay. And so I saw it at the Motion Picture Association of America screening room, where you could order cocktails, and everybody had a you know lazy boy lounger, and it oh, was nice. it was crazy. And I remember thinking, we're back to that now. These I know. Theaters, and yeah. I was thinking that that's the way theater should be, yeah. and now they are. Um, <laughs> and then I think everything went off the rails for me after episode one. After episode one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, were you? Did you feel unable to connect with those movies? I mean, we we sort of have had generational uh, bouts of Star Wars, and this would have been 1999 at that point yeah. when the episode came out. How old would you have been at that time? Uh, 99, uh, about uh, 34. Yeah, Jar, my, Jar Jar wasn't doing it for you. Yeah, no, my my <laughs> my daughter. I we went. It was her birthday when it came out. Yeah, and so I went with her, and she was so excited. We're such a big Star Wars yeah. fan, and we sat in the front row. Okay. Uh, and we watched it, and uh, she said, maybe, maybe it was we were sitting too close. And I'm like, no. <laughs> that not, wasn't the that problem. That wasn't the problem in this case. <laughs> it was not the problem. Did, did After that kind of experience, did she like that movie? Did nope. she talk fondly about it? No. Nope. Didn't work for no, her? No, it didn't work. No. Didn't work. I'm kind of back, yeah. um, you know, but I never fully. It's not the first three. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the the different periods um, and what has been good about each of them because I think without a doubt the prequels were the first one that talked about democracy mm-hmm. how they fall apart. Um, I think we are currently in the midst of needing to know those lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's value, I guess, mm-hmm. but uh, there's there's some shortcomings to to be sure. So was there a character in Star Wars that you liked? Was there someone in in the films that you were like, that's that's me? I'm Han Solo. I'm Luke. Um, I, for one, didn't like Luke I until hated Return Luke. of the Jedi. My uh, son and I, whiny have been, child. We've been saying all. all I was going to go to Tashi Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> Come on, Dad! Come on! I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Oh, shut up! Yeah. So no, I didn't get into him. I liked uh, I liked Obi Wan. Okay. Uh, I can see that. And I, I love uh, I love Yoda, um, but. I think Obi Wan was. You like the two guys who were in exile and solitude uh, in the beginning of Star Wars. And Why do I doing, feel like I'm on a couch all of a sudden? During their time of reflection. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you still like those two characters the most? Yeah. I guess I, I'm jumping ahead where I wanted to go, but Yoda, um, Yoda in the most recent movie, finally threw out the ideas of the Jedi. You know, he uh, he allowed Luke to sort of walk away from it all, said, like, you know, maybe maybe the Jedi Order isn't actually the way to go anymore. Do you think that kind of change for a character like Yoda is positive? Um, somebody who championed the old ways, the Jedi Order, and now he's sort of looking at all of this and saying, you know what, maybe we've done something wrong here. Um, I think if you're not willing to look at that, you're dying. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to look at new ideas and new things and reflect on the past, we get so st- stubborn and so sad in our ways. I mean, you know, it's the I can't remember the name of the of the uh, the paradox, but it's the the Greek um, paradox of the ship, okay. where you if a ship sets sail. And uh, it has all of the all of the boards and everything you need to build another ship. And on your travels, you're 
replacing each board of the ship, is it the same ship that left the dock? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> we've kind of changed all the boards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yet we're still saying it's the same ship. It's not the same ship. And so, you know, back to the Jedi's, um, you know, if he's looking at that and going, you know, we, we wanted to do this and we made some mistakes along the way and it kind of morphed into this. And so maybe we didn't get it right. I think that's really healthy, you know? Beltway Banthas is a Star Wars and politics podcast. We look at the politics in the films or mm -hmm. the in-universe stuff and then sort of how it looks on our own world when we sort of graph it out. Um, when did you start to think about Star Wars in political terms? Obviously, when you were you were a child and kind of going to see these movies initially, probably not so much. They were about big guy versus little guy tyranny. But I didn't I see know. that I as a kid. I didn't see it as a kid. But I don't remember a time that I didn't see the parallels, you know, uh, of of history. <clears throat> you know, I mean, it's hard to miss the you know Hugo Boss stormtrooper uniforms. Yeah. Um, and so you you do get that immediately. Um, I actually looked at it as uh, a pretty valid religion or mm -hmm. or uh, philosophy real early, real early. My father was into something called uh, the science of mind, okay. which is... The force. I mean, it really is the force. It's well thought out. Would he have voted for Marianne Williamson? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he wouldn't have. <laughs> um, but he, um, you know, he believed in the power of the mind. Yeah. He believed in, um, you know, he used to always say that <clears throat> the name of God. <clears throat> if you believe in the Bible, then the name of God. <clears throat> when he's asked by Moses, who shall I say sent me? I am that I am. If you read the Bible, I am is always capitalized. It's really kind of the name of God. <clears throat> and we, we look at um, that in the wrong way when we say, thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. Well, if you, if you look at his name as more like the force mm -hmm. that is running through everything and running through you, and it has power, when you connect I am... I am worthless, or I am uh, dangerous, or I'm toxic, or whatever, yeah. you're going to create that. That's Those characters believe something about themselves, and they either have uh, done it to themselves, or they've allowed someone else to fill in that blank after I am, yeah. to become Darth Vader. And um, so that was his philosophy, um, and I think it's very... I mean, so I saw it, I think, first yeah. as true uh, theology, philosophy. Do you think the force, and then this can go to that, that broader point that you're making here, is sort of a theology in Star Wars that is predicated on free will or destiny? I, I, don't, will. I don't know for sure in Star Wars. I mean, people make choices. Yeah. But it seems that still the will of the force. He could have gone to the power station to get some power converters. He could have done it. He would have still ended up a hero. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I think we are all. We all have a purpose. We all have um, meaning that we're supposed to find. Um, 
but we don't all find it because most of us aren't looking for it. Most of us um, shrink away, you know, and we're lucky to live in these times, you know, to be able to to be able to choose to be in the battle. This is when this is when heroes come forward and heroes never think of themselves as heroes. Heroes um, are always flesh and blood. They're always made into some granite giant later but that's not who they were the good times are not good for the soul in right. most cases they're not yeah. toxic and and you know my son when he was young i don't know if he remembers this but i we were going for his um i don't know his first belt in taekwondo and he got there and he realized uh i have to do this in front of people and he was very, very shy and didn't want to do it. That was my daughter's worst day in Taekwondo. Really? First, first performance. Yeah. So he wouldn't do it. And so we went home and we sat in my office and I have, in my office at my house, I have all these artifacts and um, I have a, a Schutz pass from, um, from uh, what's his name? Oh, shoot. Uh, Wallenberg, Raoul Wallenberg. Okay. I, I have... Um, uh, letters on my wall from one of the guys who was uh, in the um, Hanoi Hilton during Vietnam and all these different people Churchill, <clears throat> Lincoln and I sat down in the office with my son and I said so why do I have all these people why, why, why am I why do I come in here and I look at Lincoln and Martin Luther King and, and uh, he said because they weren't afraid and I said, no, the exact opposite. Must have been terrified. They had to have been terrified, but they did it anyway. And that's the difference between us. This is a different kind of fear, but when I noticed that Star Wars was political was when it was just right in my face. I was uh, 15 years old, seeing episode three for the first time. So this would be the fall of the Republic, mm -hmm. Anakin becoming Darth Vader. It's very blatant um, in the context of the Patriot Act, mm -hmm. the war in Iraq, uh, the war on terror. This was Star Wars saying fear is the beginning of your path to darkness. Mm -hmm. Yoda said that quite early. He does, and I think it is the most important lesson in all of Star Wars mm -hmm. as laid out in Episode One. Mm -hmm. Fear leads to anger. Anger mm -hmm. leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Um, I'll say it the right way. <laughs> leads, leads to suffering. <laughs> Don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. You know, but but fear was being leveraged for social control uh, in those films, and that gives politicians. Uh, power over us. So what do we do? What do we do about the question of fear in our politics? So that's the wake that I worry about because I feel like my calling is not to necessarily solve problems, but is to look over the horizon and say, here's what's coming. Change your path. Cause we're on a course for this. Cause I, I have been able to see over the horizon mainly because I think I take people at their word yes. when they say they want to kill you yeah. I, I take them at their word yeah. um, and so I've been able to see you know the caliphate and Osama bin Laden in 09 I, I warned New Yorkers on WABC within 10 years there will be blood bodies and buildings in this in the streets of New York yeah. 
if you don't take him seriously. One of the great contexts in The Force Awakens um, that doesn't get explained too much is that Leia was actually that person uh, regarding the First Order and this sort of Mm neo-fascist imperial movement that was in the deep reaches of space. Everyone believed we were in the good times, the Empire was done, Mm -hmm. we had a new republic, um, and we were safe. And she was in the Senate of the New Republic, railing that you know there there are loyalists out there. They're building weapons and they're going to attack mm-hmm. us. She was uh, chastised as crazy. They ran a smear campaign against her because mm-hmm. she was related to Darth Vader, and they pushed her out of civil society. And that's why in Episode Seven you have her just running a resistance. She's mm-hmm. just like a rogue general. It's because mm-hmm. she's actually not welcome in polite society. Mm-hmm. Well, then they blow up the Republic in Episode Seven. Mm-hmm. They get wiped away, mm-hmm. and there's that moment of validation. And there's always somebody, but you don't want to be right. She didn't want to be right. Churchill didn't want to be right. You know, um, they did the same thing to Churchill, and on a much, 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 much smaller scale, yeah. they've done the same thing with me. That is a Churchill-esque story, actually. Yeah. yeah, and and it's and it's it's the same. If if you are there to warn. Um, there are much more powerful forces there to tell you you're crazy. And sometimes yeah. you are. Sometimes you're wrong. But when you're right, it, it makes an impact. And so how do you warn without creating this ripple effect of massive fear? Because people will take and use that ripple. They'll use that wake for their own purposes. You know what I mean? You're just trying to warn people, hey, this is what's coming. Since we're talking about the ripple and the wake, and you mentioned kind of what you had created early on, before we talk about the country, I wanted to ask you about yourself. And um, you've been sort of through this long arc in your career. Uh, I remember in 2017 was sort of the public search for redemption, kind of talking about your years at Fox, Mm -hmm. the divided country. You said that you hurt the country. Um, And you wrote Addicted to Outrage as Mm -hmm. a lesson about sort of things you had learned Mm -hmm. and want people to improve upon. How far down the path of fear, anger, hate, suffering have you been? Oh, I've been because I'm a recovering alcoholic all the way. All the way. All the way. And you kind of go through cycles in different parts of your life. Yeah, and you try to learn from those cycles. Um, But it doesn't always, you know, I just gave a talk and um, I said the problem is we won't make exactly the same mistakes. You know, history doesn't repeat. It rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um, we we know, man, if somebody comes looking like a stormtrooper in the jackboots, we're going to stand against them. Well, those uniforms were designed by Hugo Boss. They look bad. Who's Hugo Boss? Hugo Boss? Yeah, the, I'm not familiar. Uh, German, uh, he's like the German Ralph Lauren. Okay. Okay. He he was the one of the best designers of clothing. Yeah. He wasn't still, a military guy. No, no, yeah. no. He's we still sell his suits. You buy his suits at Nordstrom's or you know mm-hmm. any any good men's store. Hugo Boss is a very big name today. Yeah. He was the guy who designed all the uniforms, not to be scary, but to look good. Yeah. So when that stormtrooper first came in, everybody went. Wow, that's snappy. Now we look at that and go, holy cow, you're evil. How did we miss this? Okay, So it never comes packaged the same way. We all know we're not going to stand around and burn books. We're not going to do that. Okay, We know that image. But we'll deperson people. We'll just take all of their videos, their podcasts, their whatever that they've done, and just delete them or put them behind a digital wall. 
digital ghettos. Yeah. That's we're creating. Expand we're creating the restricted book section in the libraries, which correct. They do that. Correct. <laughs> that's not. That's not who we are. And so it just it creeps on people. It creeps on people, and people are are for our own mental health. It's important that our mind dump some of our memories and soften them. And to not have us freak out about everything. But there come times in the world that you have to look at the patterns and say, can everybody just stop for a second? There are lots of the same road signs we're seeing. And if we don't want this to turn out in a similar fashion, we should stop and have a discussion right now. Redemption is baked into the DNA of Star Wars. It's... It's the best. Yeah, I think I think it is why I like it. It's why Return of the Jedi is my favorite of the films. I I know Empire Strikes Back is the the common answer. I think it's because it's most cinematically perfect. But for me, I can't get beyond the ending of Return of the Jedi. Is one of, one well, of the most I can get I can't get past the Ewoks, but oh, but they're so cute. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> Buy the plush toy. Uh, but they're also uh, bloodthirsty uh, monsters. Yeah. Um, but Redemption is part of these movies. It yeah. always has been. Um, that's why we ended up going back and doing the prequel trilogy. And now we also have a villain in the new films, Kylo Ren, who looks back on the, the past with too much nostalgia. He has killed his father and America's hero, Han Solo. He's committed genocide. We got this last movie coming up in December, and there is significant argument on Twitter, of course, because that's mm-hmm. where this would be, about mm-hmm. whether or not he should be redeemed and that he can be redeemed. I think it's because we're a post-redemption society in many mm-hmm. ways. Do you want to see Kylo Ren yes. redeemed in the same way Darth Vader was, or do you want them to try to do something else so that we don't exactly copy the original films? Uh, I'm torn. Yeah. Okay. So as a as a film, yeah, I don't. I would kind of like a new, different spin, yeah. different ending. Um, uh, and I think that would probably be more commercially accepted today because we are post-redemption. Um, however, what I like about the uh, Star Wars uh, movies is that it does teach you can stop at any time and turn around. You can yeah. stop the past. You know, it's, it's amazing Time doesn't exist. Space doesn't exist. Space-time does exist. And it's only a map of where you've been. That's the only reason we have those two pieces. Space, where are you, and what time were you there? Okay, mm-hmm. And it's a map. And so we keep dragging these things along with us on our journey. You can shed those at any time. Because that's not real. That's not where I was at that time. Yeah, okay, that, that's where you were at that time. Why are you still dragging that now with you? Because you're in a completely different place. Darth Vader survives off of his pain of what he's done and refuses to let it go. He'll always say, and he says to Luke, it's too late for me, son. Mm-hmm. Kylo Ren says some of the same things. And I think that describes people who are trapped in the darkness. They feel like they, they can't go back, like this is who they are. Uh, but you can't can stop it anytime. For me, at least, it was uh, you're afraid, you're comfortable 
in your vindictiveness or your anger or your fear or your whatever. You're comfortable in it. It's what you know. And you don't know for sure that there is a better you, that there is, you know, to go back and say, I'm not Darth Vader, has him have to reject almost his entire life. And he has become, he has said, I am Darth Vader. And what, and what would the alternative have been? And this is, you know, one of the redemption questions about the original films is Luke went to his father and wanted to, like, take him out of the Empire. What, what was going to happen? I mean, what, are you going to take him back to the Rebellion and be like, hello, everybody, here's, <laughs> here's, here's my dad, Darth Vader, and he's going to put on a white robe. There will still he, be sense to, to, to attest for. Right, but he, yeah. but he also um, sees beyond that. If you are, if you are redeemed... Life no longer means anything to you. Your life, your actual breathing doesn't mean anything to you. Um, you know, All it requires is you to stop saying, I am Darth Vader, and not replace it with, I am not Darth Vader. And that's why Luke you, interrupts him on that bridge when he, he says, it's too late for me, Sonny. You are my father, Anakin Skywalker. Right. And he just, he just says no. Mm-hmm. Um, but he keeps trying to remind him of who he really yeah. is. You, ha- you have to, he has to say who he really is. And that's hard. It's really hard because most people don't know who they are. He didn't. This movie, this, this whole saga is about choosing what from the past to keep with us and what to move on from. There's a lot of generational change happening in Star Wars right now. Some of these new movies. It rubs people the wrong way in many cases. In what uh, but, way? Well, I mean, so, I mean, the new films, um, they are irreverent to the past. They kind of make jokes at Star Wars expense. Um, Ray, in many ways, um, just kind of piggybacks on the Luke experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Poe Dameron is Han Solo, but uh, encounters feminism for the first time. That? But that never made sense to me, right? So now, now we're going to go into the movie. So, <laughs> no, so everyone was so mad about Admiral Holdo, the purple-haired woman, mm-hmm. throwing down with Poe Dameron in The Last Jedi and calling him out for being like a, a playboy or whatever, or a tough guy. But like we said that in the original films. That was all Leia did to Luke. Um, and we acted like it was new, and people got mad about it. The YouTubers all, you know. So it's not them. new. It's just now it feels like it's in your face, like it's all an indictment. The time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's no longer a part of society that we have to correct and and recognize. Now, it's not about the problem. It's about the virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. Stop with the virtue signaling. <laughs> you know, we all want to correct these things. I mean, if you don't, you know, you're you're part of the dark side. But we all want to stop these things and stop with the virtue signaling. Virtue signaling does nothing. Virtue signaling is uh, virtue signaling is as hollow as you know. Uh, the F-22 flyovers with the flag, the fireworks, and the eagle lands. Yeah. You know, what does any of that mean? On the, any, on the left, they call it performative wokeness. We mm. call it virtue signaling. They call it performative wokeness. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's just uh, people trying to get those plaudits, get the applause. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, so it's, that people will leave them alone. Comedians are doing it now. And they're not going for laughter anymore. They're just going for clapter. Oh, yes, that's so right. Oh, yeah. shut up. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I literally listened to a, um, a podcast the other week talking about comedy. It was the Ezra Klein show, and he was talking about his favorite stand-up special on Netflix, and his entire endorsement of it was that it was about the message. And it wasn't necessarily like the funniest thing you'd ever seen, but it was very powerful and it cut through some noise. I'm like, well, I mean, that's then that's then that's a, a speech. Like that person should have a mm-hmm. talk show. Mm-hmm. That's not stand up comedy. On, on the subject of generational change, um, you vacillate often. I think between being the biggest champions of millennials, I've I've never seen someone on talk radio give so much credit to the younger generations as you do, and I love that. Um, but then there's the fist shaking as well. I think there's there's both. Uh, it depends on the day. Folks in my audience who don't listen to you might find it surprising that you actually think millennials can sort of save the world. Do you still believe that? Of course. With I everything do. that you've seen, because it's I do. all about hope. Look, if you, there's so many books that people should read. Yeah. Do you want to understand millennials? Just read the fourth turning. That's all you have to read. Yeah. Read the fourth turning. My generation is the. We were the latchkey generation. We were the forgotten generation. You know, you had the hippies. My sister was a freaking hippie. Shut up. Um, uh, We were the ones that were just like, okay, well, we'll be responsible. We'll do the right things. We'll blah, 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 blah. Um, And now here we are, and we're between again the hippies who are still saying, oh, revolution and Marx is great. And all these things that have never worked, never worked, but they have the powers, they have the the levers of power now. Uh, And millennials who are being taught the wrong things by those hippies, the system that they have been now cradled in, um, they, they haven't been taught the truth. They don't know what the truth. Millennials that I meet, they're starving for the truth. They're starving. They know instinctively this doesn't really make sense. It doesn't work. But nobody's giving them what the truth is. And 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 without an agenda, just, hey, have you read this? Yeah. Have you read that? They're not being challenged. They're not, you know, when I went to school, I was, it was 30. And um, a professor said to me, I want to see you after class. Why are you here? And I said, because I realize I know nothing. I myself know nothing. I was taught these things, and I believe them to be true because people I respect or teachers or my parents told me those things were true. I don't know what's true. I don't personally know what's true. I don't know if God exists or if he doesn't exist. I need to find that out for myself. I don't want... The reason why he wanted to talk to me after class is he told me not to read a book. Read this book. Don't read that book. You'll, you'll be screwed up by that book. Read this book. Okay. So the next week I came into class and I asked him the same question. He said, didn't I tell you not to read that? And I said, yes. And you told me to read this book. And I read that book. And we could talk about that book if you want. But I want to know why, why this guy is wrong in your opinion. Mm-hmm. That's when he said, you know, I'll see you after class. I want to be, to, I want to learn how to think, not what to think, how to think. And millennials are starving for that. So my generation's job is to say to the hippies, shut up. You've, take, you've, you've taken and taken and taken, and you've promised all these wonderful things, as, as Kipling said, and it's all blowing up. 
It's that we are enslaving this generation. Stop enslaving this generation. And then I have to look at your generation and say, don't take it out on that generation. You guys have to stay cool and you guys have to root yourself in what's true because you will be the hero generation. But here's the problem. So in the new Star Wars movies, and we talked about this on your show a year ago or something, the search for the gray. There's the light side, the dark side. We believe in dogma. Like, we mm-hmm. believe that's a thing and that sometimes you just can't subscribe to all of one thing or another. But there's also truth. Mm-hmm. So if Ray in this new movie is searching for something in the middle, like, so that you don't have to be a Jedi, you don't have to be a Sith. But that's Yoda's, you but that's Yoda's point. Maybe but he's a Jedi. This is what we're going yeah. through right now. And thank God for Donald Trump blowing everything up in the parties, okay? <laughs> uh-huh. Because now we're seeing, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to be all in on that side or all in on that side. Because that side has some good things. This side has some good things. And they also both have some bad things. I don't want all of that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, that's McDonald's. Burger King, when they were first, you know, really making an impact, they were like, have it your way at Burger King. So special orders don't upset us because McDonald's was like, no, you're going to have the two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickled onion on a sesame seed bun. That's it. That's what we do. I don't want that. I don't want that. I'd like to maybe not have the pickles. Can you do that without upsetting me being called a, you know, anti-McDonald's person? We are now seeing that it's not gray. It's that truths are being ignored on both sides. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've become gray. Yeah. They have a few truths, and then they have some things that are absolutely wrong. And they're calling it all black or all white. No. No, you guys are gray. You guys are gray. The minute I am told I have to believe this or this to be a part of a group, run for your life. The minute somebody tells you not to think a certain way, not to read, not to explore, run for your life. And that's what these orders required of you. If you were in the Jedi, it would be absolutely out of the question to read a Sith manuscript to explore what the dark side is because they think you're you can't handle it and you can't understand the lessons of that. Yeah. And who are they to say that? Who are they? You cannot you do not want to be around the people and it we are in a religion now. Whether yeah. it is a whether whether it is a red white and blue USA USA chant, you know, cult or a uh, Marxist, you go our way, or the highway cult. They're cults. They're cults. We, we, have to, we have to look at each thing and weigh each thing all the way along and keep our eyes open. You can't expand and go bigger if you aren't reading everything. You, they're becoming the Galileo, the, the people who locked Galileo up. Galileo was right, I just want to remind everybody. But because they couldn't allow that out because it would take apart the power structure, instead of saying, wow, really? We, we revolve around the sun? Huh, okay, well, let's look at everything else. They were like, oh, no, 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 no. That erodes all the power. That's what we're doing now. Good, we should change. 
but we should change with reason and and scientific fact not throw everything out and not lock new thinkers up into the tower even I was going to say, even if it's the stuff we don't like, maybe perhaps most importantly, if it's not the stuff that we like. I want to end here with just a couple Star Wars questions. New movies are coming out all the time. Uh, they're making these standalone films, character films. Are there any Star Wars films you would like to see made? Uh, they're going to do this Episode Nine thing. They've done Han Solo. They did Rogue One, where they got the Death Star plans. Is there anything like you think would be fun to see made in the Star Wars universe that they haven't done yet? Well, I really wanted to. I really wanted a movie made on the guy who built that stupid shaft and all the people in government that were like, "Yeah, a shaft going to the center is a great idea." But they made that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they didn't install a net to catch the emperor when he was falling down. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, no, I, uh, I, you know, I've been reading. Um, about a year ago, I started, and then I got distracted. What is it? Uh, Hero of a thousand faces, yes. or mm -hmm. yeah, reading that. Uh, I, I'm more That's Campbell, right? What? Hero of a Thousand Faces, that's Campbell. Right? Yeah. yeah. The guy who uh, inspired Star inspired. Wars and, and uh, all of Lucas. I'm more interested in the the deeper background of it yeah. than the next story. Because I don't think I don't think Disney is doing any of the deep thinking. It's probably only a matter of time before we get a biopic on George Lucas <laughs> about him coming up with the great idea, which honestly would be really cool. I mean, they mm -hmm. had that McDonald's movie, The Founder, mm -hmm. and how that was all put together. Like, mm -hmm. Actually, I'd love to see like the story of George Lucas yeah. busting up the entire industry. But I'd like to industry. see the... I, I, I'm more into the philosophy of these stories. The, the, they're the same stories over and over, over and, and over, over again. And that's why... Star Wars is so great, but I'd I'd rather see a deeper. It's probably more of a document. I'm getting too old. <laughs> now, Never. Yeah, no. but uh, I'd rather see the the deep thinking of of heroes. What makes a hero? Why we're attracted to the things we're attracted to right now? Why the redemption story is no longer part of our our psyche mm -hmm. how, when has that happened before how do we get it back you know does it is it just cyclical what is it and where are the heroes today what color would your lightsaber be I don't know what the colors mean. So, oh, they don't mean anything. Really? Uh, no, they they tried to make a mythology around that and a, and a meaning in like the video games, but they didn't stick to it in the actual larger canon. They don't mean anything. Blue. Blue. I'm a green guy. And your your Star Wars profession, would you be a Jedi, a bounty hunter, a smuggler, a politician, or would you just be a radio show host in mm. Star Wars? In Star Wars. <laughs> they call that the hollow news. <laughs> the news. Uh, uh, I'd want to be a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, I'd want to be a Jedi. Master of the great arts. Glenn Beck, thank you so much for coming on Beltway. My Panthers. gosh, thanks. This privilege. was a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, I guess we'll be in Dallas here at the beginning of the week. Yeah. Um, I'll see you there. Okay, good. All right. You'll be on my show.
All right, and there it is, my conversation with Glenn Beck of The Blaze and the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Really hoped you enjoyed that. Would like to know what you thought about it. So please feel free to shoot us an email, beltwaybanthas at gmail.com. You can tweet me at Stephen underscore Kent 89. That's Stephen with a PH underscore Kent. Would really like to know what you think about it. And please subscribe to the Beltway Banthas podcast. There are so many more interviews in our backlog that you might want to check out. Uh, conversations with folks from NPR, CNN, The Federalist, uh, gosh, elected officials, congressmen, all talking about their Star Wars fandom. This is all in the backlog of Beltway Banthas, and there is more to come. So now is a great time to follow the show and get caught up on that while more is being produced for you, the Politico Star Wars fans of the galaxy. All right, that's enough for me. I've been your host, Stephen Kent. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, may the Force be with you, always. 